hello. Thank you for joining in with us this morning. We're about to start a new series. This is the first sermon, first message in a new series that we're starting called Dark Nights. I've been really excited for this series. I've kind of been planning it over the course of the last few months, thinking about how I want to articulate this. This is a very powerful uh, message that we're going to be looking at. It's something that's very pertinent to the Christian faith, but it's also something that we don't fully understand, that we don't fully look at. It's about spiritual warfare. It's about dryness within our spirit, and it's about growing in Christ. And, And this is something that we really need to be studying. We really need to be diving into. So I think it's important that we're going to be looking at this over the course of the next four weeks throughout August. And uh, I hope you're excited to join with us in this series. Uh, We are meeting in person over the Life Center. We're going to continue putting our messages out online and uh, as well as the midweek devotionals. And we're also doing uh, our our Bible studies online right now uh, just to combat Uh, everything that's going on. So we would love to have you join us every time we get together, whether it's in online or in person, and we're thankful that you're here joining us this morning as we dive into the Word. So before we do that, before we get into the Word, let's open up with a word of prayer and ask God's blessing on our study this morning. Father God, you are so good. We can't fathom your goodness. We, We understand your good. We love you for your goodness, but we can't even begin to comprehend how good you are. We know that you are good because of how you love us through your Son, through the Spirit that he sent. God, this morning as we study his Spirit, as we anticipate and long for that Spirit and grow in that Spirit, I just pray that you bless us, that you bless us wherever we are, whether we're joined in this study from our living rooms, whether we're joined in this study together in the Life Center, God, let your presence be in our midst. Let your glory shine. Let your spirit move amongst us. God, this, this series that we're about to embark on is powerful, and it's important for us, especially in the climate of the world today. God, speak through me through the course of these messages and Today, as we dive into your word, make it come alive in our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for the love that you have for us, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Now, I don't know how many of you grew up playing cowboys and Indians, or, or grew up playing with G.I. Joes, or, or some sort of artificial battles of good versus evil, evil superheroes, but, but my, brothers and, my brother and my sister and I, we grew up playing that. Uh, most notably, we grew up playing Gunsmoke. For any of you that are Gunsmoke fans out there, we would watch Gunsmoke in the evenings with my parents, with, with my parents and my grandparents, and, and I, I was enamored with Matt Dillon. I, I, I wanted to be Matt Dillon. And, and so we would always play Gunsmoke. I would be Matt Dillon. My brother would be the bad guy. My sister would be Miss Kitty because at that point in time, we didn't really know what Miss Kitty did. But we, we loved playing that. We loved using our imaginations and playing good versus evil. Being the good guy catching the bad guy and, and, and getting whatever was rewarded from that. As we got older, though, we, our, our imaginary 
battles, our imaginary good versus evil, turned more physical, turned more into reality. And, and my friends and I, my brother and, my, and our friends, we started playing paintball, which paintball is, is where you actually go out and you have a gun that shoots little balls of paint and it splatters on you and it stings quite a bit when it hits you and and whenever you get hit you're out and and so you can have simulated battles you you really go at it each other with within your teams and and my growing up we had the perfect spot to have paintball battles and and at my house we had about 30 acres of woods and down beneath our house we had two ridges and a holler in, be- in between those. And so it was perfect because we could have one team set up their base, build their fort, do all they needed on one ridge, and the other team would be on the other ridge. And since paintball guns really don't shoot that far, you couldn't just stand on your ridge and shoot across and hit the other team. You had to be tactical. You had to to maneuver your way around to get to the other team in order to take out their players to capture their flag depending on whatever game style we were playing and and we had a blast with it we we played paintball for a couple years for a few years and we'd play once a month or something and go out there and, and and have a blast with it there's one particular day though when we played paintball that we had five on five or something that day and and we had started the day i my team was on one ridge, my brother's team was on the other ridge, and we had been through it, we had been playing for about an hour, we were coming down to the wire, it was two on two, it was me and my friend Trevor versus Josh and my other friend Eli, who actually, coincidentally, is, was my best man in my wedding, and uh, we, my Trevor and I, we, J- Josh and Eli were at the top of their ridge, we had pushed them, and they had remained in their base and we were at the bottom of the hill then and they had the high ground which meant you know we were in a sticky situation we had to somehow make it to the top of the hill or else we were going to be shooting up at them and we didn't have as much cover so we came up with this plan Trevor was going to flank right and draw their attention and then I was going to come up from behind and take them out and it worked Trevor Trevor drew their fire I came up from behind took out my brother and unfortunately somehow even though Trevor was way far away from Eli and Josh he had gotten hit and he was out and so after I hit Josh Eli turned at me and that should have been my first clue that something fishy was going on that Eli's gun was able to shoot as far as it did and take Trevor out but Eli turns to me then and I have I'm still coming up this hill I'm just a sitting duck and I jump behind this tree and he unloads on this tree and is just peppering this tree with paint and he keeps shooting for a while and after a few minutes he stops and I'm sitting there my back's against a tree I don't know where he's at I, I, I need to somehow peek out and try to find him so I can at least get one hit on him and so I think you know this is it I'm going to roll out I'm going to find him I'm going to hit him once and it's going to be over and so I I peek out I pop out and I see him and I mean he just plasters me with paint and and this didn't feel like a normal paintball gun hitting you it felt like he was shooting rocks at me and I've taken paintballs before but but he hit me in the chest multiple times I actually have scars on my chest from from where he shot me with that paintball gun because unbeknownst to us Eli had turned his gun speed up as high as he could meaning that gun whenever we were done with it that evening he was shooting limbs off of trees because of how fast his gun was and I said I'm out Eli I'm out Eli I'm out Eli and he kept shooting me and shooting me so I 
rather than just shooting him back like a normal person, I charged at him and I threw my gun at, at my best friend. And my gun shattered, it snapped in half. So my gun snapped, I snapped, and, and our, our fun was ruined for the day because of my anger issues whenever we were playing this, this simulated battle. And I, and I bring up that story, that, that illustration. It's, it's a funny story. My friends make fun of me all the time because, because I got so angry at Eli for that. But I bring it up because there, there are wars and, and there are battles. That they're, they're constantly going on around the world. And, and they've been going on ever since Cain and Abel fought each other. It's part of our fallen human DNA to fight. And, and not all wars, obviously, and battles are equal. I mean, a paintball battle between immature high schoolers that, that lose their temper and, and can't control their anger is, is nothing in comparison to the, the wars that are going on in the Middle East over terrorism. And, and likewise, any physical battle we have, any, any physical war that we take place in within our humanity is nothing like the spiritual war that is waging all around us. It's the spiritual war that is waging within us. And as Christians, we have to be just as aware of this spiritual war that's going on around us around the world today, and, and specifically within our hearts and souls today, as we are with the physical battles that are going on. And so it's important that we study this. And, and, and Paul writes about the spiritual, the spiritual warfare that goes on all throughout his epistles. And today we're going to be looking specifically at what he says in Galatians 5, which many of you might think back and realize that's the fruit of the Spirit passage, and, and we're going to be starting this series on spiritual warfare, but more notably, the emptiness and the darkness and the dryness that we tend to feel within our souls as a result of spiritual warfare. And so opening up with Galatians in chapter 5, starting in 16, it says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't know what you want, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Okay, now Paul is about to go into one of the most widely used passages within Kids ministry. You know, we, we grow up memorizing the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We, we memorize those things. And, and we think, you know, when we are a Christian, these, this is how we need to act. That, that's how we identify the fruits of the Spirit. But in his prelude to the fruits of the Spirit, he identifies that, you know, it's not just one Spirit you know, there, there are two opposing entities that are going against each other. He identifies one as the Spirit and the other as the flesh. He, he says, walk by the Spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. And a lot of times we read that and we think, okay, well, we, being good means you're doing what the Spirit wants and being bad means you're doing what the flesh wants. So be good, don't be bad. That, that's sometimes how we read that. But in reality, what Paul is talking about is two opposing spirits that are always at, at 
at opposition with one another. You know, he says, the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. If you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. He's saying there are two spirits going on. And a lot of times we think of the flesh as purely being physical, meaning the flesh is anything that is in this physical realm and the spirit is anything that is spiritual. What we miss is that the flesh is just another name for the opposing spirit to the spirit. So we got to think of it this way. There's the spirit of the flesh and there's the spirit of Christ. He's saying if we're under the spirit of Christ, we should be doing what Christ would want to do. If we're under the spirit of the flesh, then we're just going to do what the world wants us to do. But it's important that we identify that this, the flesh is a spirit as well, just like the spirit of Christ is the opposition of the spirit of the flesh. And why is this important? It's important because of how we are created. See, at the beginning of time, when, when God created humanity, he breathed his breath into them. He breathed his breath into them, his, his ruach, in, in the words of the Hebrew, and it took over their nefesh, their entire being, their soul. And as he breathed into them, his breath indwelled their soul. And so at the beginning of time, when Adam and Eve were, were the only pieces of humanity there, they had within them the Spirit of God, the, the same Spirit that we have within us now as Christians. However, when humanity fell, when they gave in to des the desires of the world, when they gave in to the desires of, of the adversary, that Spirit of God that was in them became corrupted. And the soul that was once filled with the breath of God began to be filled with the Spirit of flesh. Okay, hope you're on track with me here, because what that means is that we have a soul that has to be filled with something. We have a soul that has to be filled with something. If we're not filling our souls with the Spirit of Christ, with the breath of God, with the Spirit of God, then it's natural preset, because of the fall of humanity, is going to be that it's filled with the spirit of flesh, okay? And just like the spirit of Christ, which has the fruits that are produced from it, the spirit of flesh has other fruits that are produced from it as well. Listen to what Paul says in 19 through 21. He says, the works of the flesh, the works of the spirit of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I am warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul is telling the church in Galatia, listen, there are fruits that come from the spirit of flesh, just as there are fruits that come from the Spirit of Christ. What you are filled with, what, what is within your soul, depends on what comes out of your being. And we have to think then of the soul as being essentially a cup. Now, just, just like a cup is made to be filled with liquid, the soul 
of our being is made to be filled with spirit. Now, whether or not a cup is filled with dirty liquid like this here, or clean liquid, fresh water, that's up to us. We choose which spirit goes into our souls the same way that we choose what type of liquid goes into a cup. Now, the difference between a cup and the soul is a cup, you can just pour out the liquid and and have the empty cup sitting on a counter for as long as you want. With a soul, there can't be an intermediary period where there's no spirit inside it at all. So either you have the spirit of flesh in you, or you have the spirit of Christ in you. There isn't an, an in-between where you throw out the spirit of flesh and wait for the spirit of Christ to come in. There's not an in-between. We have to identify that our preset as humanity since the fall of Adam and Eve is that when we're born, we have the spirit of flesh inside our souls. Which then begs the question, okay, if that's what's within our souls right now just from birth, how do we empty that out if we just can't take our souls and dump out the dirty, the dirty water? Well, that's where Paul continues talking about the fruits of the Spirit of Christ. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit of Christ is love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, to en- pr- provoking one another, envying one another. So here's what now Paul is saying. If we bind ourselves to Christ, we are thereby saying, I'm through with the spirit of the flesh. I'm through with the spirit of the flesh. I don't want the fruit of that spirit to be produced within me anymore. I'm setting aside the the fruit of drunkenness, of of jealousy, of of concerning myself with everything that I want, of selfish ambition. I'm I'm through with promiscuity. We're throwing that aside. Which is tough, because when we look at the state of the world today, that is humanity. Humanity is steeped in their personal desires of feeling good, of of getting whatever they want that makes them happy, regardless of moral imperfections. But as Christians, we're saying, we're throwing that out. We're throwing that spirit out, so that instead we're moved by Jesus. But if what I said before is true, if we can't just take the dirty water and toss it out and then put clean water in, then how do we get rid of the dirty water of the flesh then? Have you ever taken a cup and had some liquid in it and then just kept pouring another liquid into it. Any of you know what happens? When that takes place, what ends up happening as a result is the dirty liquid leaves and the clean liquid takes over. 
In the same way, if we are filled with the spirit of flesh within us, if our souls are filled with the dirtiness of sin, of, of temptations, of our own personal desires, and we want to cleanse that out, the only way to do it isn't simply by saying, I quit and throwing it out, because then you just have an empty soul that is going to get filled more easily with the world. The way you get rid of the desires of the flesh is by pouring in the Spirit. You pour in the clean water until the dirty water overflows out. You keep pouring in Christ and His Spirit until all that remains within your soul is Him. Because the filth of the flesh... has been emptied out as a result. Now, it might not look like it, but that's a lot cleaner than it was before. And if I kept pouring more and more and more clean water in, there would be nowhere left for the dirty water to stay. The only way you empty out your soul of the fleshly spirit that was in there before is by continually pouring Christ in. Remember, I said we can't simply take the spirit that's in our soul, the spirit of the flesh, and toss it out. We, we just can't toss out the spirit of the flesh that's in there. The only way to rid that spirit of ourselves is to constantly pour Jesus in. And the more we pour Jesus in, the more the fruit that comes out of our lives is going to be him and not the fruit of the world. And we have to remember that as we're pouring the Spirit of Christ into our souls, the consequence of the spirit of flesh that was once there is going to leave. Now listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is a, a chapter steeped in spiritual transformation and growth. Throughout this series, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 8. Listen to what Paul says at the very beginning of Romans chapter 8. He says, Therefore there is no condemna condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. What the law couldn't do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Paul opens up Romans chapter 8 by saying, listen, if you have the spirit of Christ in you, if you are pouring the Spirit of Christ into your soul and emptying the flesh out of there, there's no condemnation in you anymore. The consequence of the dirtiness of your soul that was once there has been cleansed out. It has poured out, it has overflowed out of the cup of your soul, and now the only thing that's in there is Christ and the victory that comes along with Christ. And if you were wondering, Paul says, on how that's possible, it's because Jesus came into our world in the same likeness as us. Meaning Jesus, when he came in, had the same spirit, had the same desires of the flesh that we have, but the difference was he didn't stay that way. 
Jesus is the only person that could completely transform his spirit because he had the spirit of God in him because he was God, even though he was man. And as a result, when he died, now his spirit can take the place of the spirit of flesh that has made its dwelling place in the hearts of humanity since the fall of Adam and Eve. Paul says, in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who don't walk according to the flesh, who don't walk according to the spirit of the flesh anymore, but instead walk according to the spirit of Christ. If we continually walk according to his spirit, we will continually be producing the same type of fruit that comes from him. And the ending of that story brings us to eternity in his kingdom rather than death like the rest of the fate of this world. And so we are left with a difficult question. Not difficult in, in the light of an overarching perspective, but difficult because we are in this decision choosing between how we have grown up through the course of our entire lives, we're choosing between what has been in us from the preset of our birth and our desiring to put something else in the cup instead. The choice we have is who, whose allegiance are we going to follow? Because it's not just about saying, I'm no longer in the flesh, because I'm in Christ. It's about saying, I'm pouring the flesh out by pouring Christ in. It's about saying, I'm taking what I have grown up in in my entire existence and aligning myself with Christ instead. That's a difficult path to trod because we are, that's a complete reversal of what we are as humans. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians, though, about this. He says, You were dead in your trespasses and sin, and sins in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. We were by nature children under the wrath, as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. You are saved by grace. Paul recognizes before in our flesh, we had the desires of the flesh. Now, we ran the course of the spirit that was in our souls, and the spirit that was in our souls was the spirit of the flesh. We didn't deserve to be with God. We didn't deserve to have a relationship with Him. But, in by the grace that God has for us, through the Spirit of Christ, those old desires 
have poured out of the cup of our souls because we are constantly to be pouring Christ in. So that as the spirit of the flesh leaves us, so too should the desires of the flesh. And as the spirit of Christ enters in, so too should the desires of Christ take root so that the only fruit that comes from us is the fruit of him. As we pour Christ's spirit in, his desires and longings should completely take over and as a result, transform our souls. And so that's why it's so vital for us and our faith to be steeped in spiritual disciplines. Because spiritual disciplines is, is how we overflow our souls with the Spirit of Christ. When we steep ourselves in prayer, when we devote ourselves to worship, when we study profusely over Scripture, when we meditate on the voice of God, we are pouring Him into our souls so that everything that was once there overflows out. As the Gospel of John says in, in the opening chapters, Darkness cannot exist with light. Jesus is the light. Our souls are steeped in the darkness of the spirit of the flesh. The only way to burn out that darkness is to pour light in. And as we do that, only Jesus should then overflow out of us. There's so much taking place within the spiritual realm that goes beyond our senses. And the most simplified way to explain this is through a war that is constantly waging. The war of the spirit of the flesh and the spirit of Christ. And we have to ask ourselves who we're going to align with. Because the rest of the world outside of Christianity, the reason that we're at opposition with them is because they belong to the spirit of the flesh. And if we belong to Christ and we should oppose them. We can no longer try to merge with the world because that would be put, put, putting two antithetical spirits together and that can't work. If we tried to bring the flesh with the, the spirit, the spirit's just going to leave. Whose allegiance do you belong to? Are you pouring Christ in? Or are you content with just sitting back and letting your soul fill back up with the spirit of the flesh? The first step in spiritual transformation and spiritual growth is avidly choosing to pour Christ in constantly. I hope that's what we are doing. Because the only way that we can change the world out there is to change what's within us first. Let's strive to do that, church. Let's strive to do that daily. Let's pray. Father God, you created our souls to contain your breath. We corrupted them. But God, 
through Christ, you've bought us back. And you desire for us to be filled with him. And so encourage us, embolden us, elicit a desire within us to continually fill our souls with you. Work within us. Move us. Help us to cast out the darkness of the flesh that was once abounding and instead be moved and transformed by you. God, as we continue this series, let it speak to us and and help us as we keep continuing on this earth anticipating the coming of your eternal kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for all that you have done. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I hope that this message has provoked you to fill yourself more with Christ as the days continue. Remember to join us this Wednesday in our midweek devotional and and join us in our Bible study to, to fill your souls with more of his spirit. And we'll see you again next week as well. Have a good day.